0: All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. You should carefully consider investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of any investment before investing. Diversification and asset allocation do not guarantee a profit or guarantee against loss. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor. Member NYSE, FINRA, and SIPC.
1: And welcome once again to Invest Wisely. Walt Secura is our expert from the AKW Group in Fairlawn and also in Washington, Pennsylvania. We're going to talk this half hour about how they invest their clients' money in individually... Chosen portfolios of actually individually owned stocks. If you have any questions about that or about the stock market for the next half hour, give Walt a call directly here on the advice line, 330-673-1234. And outside of Akron, run hourcom toll-free, 800-669-4100. Well, Walt, last week, once again, the markets both here in the U.S. and across the world seem to be taking a breather after a very, very eventful uh, 2020, and uh, kind of seeing what's going to happen next. That's a general uh, impression that I got from the markets last week.
2: Yeah, Bob, I think you're absolutely right. Um, this shortened trading week uh, really kind of featured a renewed strength in, in some mega-cap stocks, uh, which you know really drove the performance of that old NASDAQ composite that we you know, talked about last year that did so well. Um, you know, stocks like Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Facebook, you know, all saw some rally. Uh, so if we look at last week, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 182 points for the week, 0.6%. Uh, uh, year-to-date, we're at 1.3%. Uh, the S&P 500 was up 73 points. It was up 1.9% the, for the week. And year-to-date, we're up 2.3%. Uh, the NASDAQ was up 4.2% for the week, Bob. So, again, you know, kind of taken off where it left off last year. Uh, year-to-date up 5.1%. And those small-cap stocks, as measured by the Russell 2000 Index, uh, were, again, up 2.1% last week. And now, uh, year-to-date showing at 9.8%. Uh, so, you know, a lot lot happened last week. And, um, you know, again, we continue to, uh, you know, look forward. A uh, lot, lot, lot to pay attention to right now.
1: Now, of course, we have uh, the uh, political climate out there. The Democrats have flipped the White House and the Senate, and they still control by a slim margin the House. Uh, that has all been put into place at this point. Uh, <laughs> things seem to be maybe quieting down. Is the uh, political climate starting to cool off and uh, have less effect on the market?
2: Yeah, Bob, I think things, you know, the temperatures come down a few degrees, uh, which hopefully that will continue to cool. You know, we had a very sensitized nation. Uh, we talked about it all last year that we anticipated uh, you know a great division in our country um and i think a lot of people are still you know getting over the a uh, little bit salty out there bob you know everybody's a little bit uh, half the country's not not happy still uh, but at the same time you know we we saw joe biden and camilla harris you know uh be sworn in and you know we have flipped the senate and the house and And now that, you know, the Democrats really have a a clear runway uh, to, they, they, you know, campaigned on the promise that, you know, they could make things better. And, you know, we can just hope that they move forward and they make things better. So, uh, but I think that just the calmness of the rhetoric and uh, getting the media to settle down a little bit and social media to settle down a little bit, you know, it was really... I think after a pandemic year, really working people's emotions uh, to a very high frenzy as we got to the end of the year. So it'll be nice to just move past that and, again, start focusing on more things that we can control.
1: Now, you mentioned, of course, before that historically the stock market does pretty well when the Democrats are in power. Uh, Do you think that will continue to be the case uh, this time around?
2: Yeah, Bob. I mean, you know, again, we we have looked back in history. You know, we have a lot of studies that show that a democratic controlled um you know government has been very good for the market on average uh if we go back uh, looking at the dow jones industrial average um 16.7% uh, gains again we talked about uh during the obama uh you know white house uh when it was democratically controlled senate and house they were up 29% in 2009 and 2010 clinton had some good years uh Ninety three, ninety four, up sixteen percent. Carter up nineteen percent, seventy nine and eighty. Uh, so you know, there's there's a lot of history that shows that you know political parties, you know, really the Democrats have performed a little bit better as far as the stock market goes. Now, one thing to keep in mind, um, Strategist, which uh, Bob is a company owned by Baird, uh, some big picture thinkers here at Strategist, Um They they're really a premier market macroeconomic. Uh, they look at government policies uh, they pointed out a few things last week um you know they said that typically february historically is the worst month for equities uh when a new president has their first year looking back in history the market's fallen on average about 4% in february uh once we've sworn a new president in so keep that in mind uh, anybody listening out there that you know might be getting ready to invest and on top of that we just talked about the you know, the high valuations and a lot of reasons why the market maybe got a little ahead of itself, so there there could be some, you know, trading activity this month that you might want to pay attention to in the short run. Again, we continue to think long-term. And then really, Bob, you know, I think the key is going to be what this administration does. Uh, you know, once things settle down and we move forward in the year, I think taxes are still the big item. Um, you know, Strategist, again, our firm uh, that thinks about these things really sees that, yeah you know, corporate tax rates will probably go higher. They're estimating back up to twenty eight percent, which gets us closer to that thirty five percent that we came down from. Uh, they also see capital gains and dividends being taxed higher, especially in higher income brackets. Uh, so again, you know taxes uh, definitely probably are something that we see go up as we move forward.
1: Now, when you look at uh, once again, the new administration, a couple of names that are important now that uh, not necessarily the uh, top office holders are Jerome Powell. Who is the acting chairman of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, and Janet Yellen, who will soon be acting Secretary of the Treasury? Uh, how important are these individuals in in uh, charting the path of the economy, and and what do you think they're going to do?
2: Yeah, I think Bob. In the in the next couple of years, these two names are probably more important than Biden and Harris in all reality. Um, Jerome Powell has done an amazing job, uh, you know, dealing with the pandemic. He was very quick to move the Federal Reserve forward and. Uh, do what he needed to do to provide monetary stimulus. And, uh, you know, and again, Munchen, under the Trump administration, did a really good job as, as Secretary of the Treasury, and now Yellen will take over for him. And it looks like, you know, both of them are, are talking the same language, that they think that, you know, a lot of support still has to be provided. Um, you know, keep in mind the Fed's balance sheet stood at $3.9 trillion. uh When we, we kind of entered this pandemic, we're at $7.3 trillion now. Uh, you know, so we've seen an incredible rise in the balance sheet of the Fed. We, we've seen uh, deficits rise, uh, you know, pretty pretty dramatically. And you know, the real question will be, you know, how long this goes. And, and I think everybody out there, a lot of experts in my industry, are just questioning the moral hazard of you know the stimulus, the fact that you know you're maybe artificially uh, stimulating an economy that you shouldn't be stimulating. So there'll be a lot of debate. Uh, that continues around that type of thought. But for right now, Bob, I think, you know, both Janet Yellen and Jerome Powell seem to be on the same page, that they're going to do what it takes. Uh, They think there's a lot more that needs to be done, and they'd rather err on the side of doing too much than doing too little. So I think that supports, you know, this um, narrative that we have, that, you know, this economy hopefully will continue to improve and We'll have the monetary and fiscal support underneath the economy to provide a very accommodative uh, environment as we go forward.
1: Walt Sakira is our expert from the AKW Group in Fairlawn and in Washington, Pennsylvania. Once more, if you want to talk to Walt about stocks in the stock market, 330 673 1234 is your number to call here on the advice line. That's out of Akron Told Free. It's 800. Six six nine four one hundred, including those listening in Pennsylvania on WNIR.com. Now, the coronavirus, of course, that's continuing to be the major story of, uh, of this year. Uh, it continues to be rampant, infecting people. Uh, there is also rather mixed news on the vaccine rollout. What is the investment community thinking about that?
2: Well, Bob, we're watching the vaccine. You know, I think everybody in the investment community is, is watching the progression of the vaccine. Uh, we know now, you know, the numbers are telling us that about 21 million people here in the United States have been vaccinated. Uh, still a very small number. Um, you know, if you look at it, the Pfizer uh, BioNTech vaccine, about 9 million um, doses have been administrated, and uh, the Moderna vaccine, about 7.2 million um, doses have been administrated. We also see that there's a backlog in doses that are out there that. A lot of them aren't getting administered as quickly as they're being delivered to the state. So, again, this was the biggest challenge was, you know, administering the vaccines and having a program to make sure people can get vaccinated. I know I'm talking to a lot of my clients in different states and here that, you know, are having trouble and they're in that age group. And uh, a lot of my frontline clients, doctors that we work with have, have obviously already been Vaccinated, but um, this is the challenge, Bob. If we can again get people vaccinated, then that'll support that uh, you know continued recovery uh, that we're hoping for. Uh, so a lot of challenges out there. A big report this week will be from Johnson and Johnson. Um, Johnson and Johnson reports earnings, but I'm sure they will update us on their vaccine. Uh, their vaccine is a one and done vaccine, so there's some real excitement, um, especially in the investment community around that. That. And that would really speed uh, this this vaccination process if we have another big supplier like Johnson and Johnson, uh, that definitely has the capacity to get a lot of vaccines produced quickly, um, and distributed. And then again, if we can get them administered, uh, that'll be really you know the movement towards what we need.
1: Well, let's talk about stocks now with Stock Talk and Walt Sakira. And once more, if you have any questions about individual stocks that you'd like to know about, Walt has over 30 years experience in the market and, of course, working with his clients at the AKW Group. He pretty much keeps his fingers on the pulse of the market. So give us a call with your individual questions at 330-673-1234 and 800 888-669-4100. Six, six, 888 669 Lines are open and available to you right now. So the re- earnings reports from the end of 2020 are starting to come in from uh, many companies. Uh, Netflix uh, did very well. They topped the expectations of Wall Street with their fourth quarter report, or at least their third December quarter ending report. And uh, I'm surprised you don't even own Netflix in any of your portfolios.
2: Yeah, Bob, we owned it for a short period of time in our Empowering Women portfolio. But, again, it's one that, from an evaluation perspective, we moved a uh, past. But, again, they continue to perform very, very well. Um, you know, if you look at the quarter, uh, they added another 8.5 million subscribers. Uh, they have 203 million now uh, global paid subscribers. I think the exciting part is, you know, that international growth. Uh, they, they see really good growth in Europe, the Middle East, Africa, some emerging market countries. Uh revenues increased 22% uh, for the quarter. They did $6.6 billion, over $5.4 billion the year prior. And uh, they also have a little bit of pricing upgrades in here from the people that want to take care of their 4K television sets and 4K devices, some... Um, uh, they obviously charge a little bit of premium if you want to move from the HD plan up to the 4K plan. So, uh, you know, it's it's a company that continues to execute on uh, and and really perform very very well, Bob. And um, you know, long term is still very very attractive for Netflix. So, uh, one we probably wish we would have held on to in that empowering women portfolio.
1: Now, one of your core equity holdings uh, is Intel, and uh, they had a rather disappointing report this time. Is it time they- to uh, sell Intel?
2: Yeah, they did, Bob. I mean, they, they struggled, and uh, it was kind of surprising. Um, again, we, we expected to see a little bit more performance from Intel. Um, I think Intel's struggling, you know, on a lot of levels. Uh, they they saw some uh, decline in their data centers. I think that was the biggest disappointment, <clears throat> you know, in this pandemic. I mean, obviously, data management has been very, very powerful, and they their revenues saw about 16% there. Uh, they've also seen a lot of competition from their chips. Um, you know, companies like AMD, uh, Taiwan Semiconductor, have done a really good job cutting into Intel's, uh, you know, core strengths, and and also Apple moving towards their own chips for their PCs. Uh, you know, definitely uh, is is uh, you know kind of weakened the Intel story. So uh, it's a it's a company that's you know going to react. They're going to do what they need to do. They still pay a strong dividend. Um, they're definitely at the, at a low end of their valuation now, uh, but we're taking a hard look. You know, we're trying to look forward and say, is this the company we do we want to continue to own it? You know, eighteen to twenty four months out. Um, again, this uh, report was a little disappointing, and I think the AMD report coming out this week, the Advanced Micro uh, Processing report coming out this week, will also show us if they're uh, really taking advantage of this weakness at Intel. So, something to pay attention to.
1: Now, recently you added a uh, JetBlue to the small mid-cap portfolio at the AKW Group. United Airlines reported last week at uh, a loss worse uh, uh, than forecast. No one's really surprised by that, but does that uh, uh, concern you about your investment in JetBlue and other airline or travel industries?
2: Yeah, Bob, you know, United Airlines definitely had a really rough report. Um, You know, again, nobody, like you said, nobody really would expect anything different, but passenger revenue declined about 75%. Uh, they did $3.4 billion, uh, a year prior over those three months. They did 10 uh, $10.8 billion. Uh, so this is a company that, again, is continuing to struggle. Uh, the cash burn is still about $19 million a day. Uh, they got that for, down from $24 million a day. And management's trying to, you know, use the crisis to improve their cost structures, uh, maybe eliminating about $2 billion a, a year. Uh, by move, removing unnecessary fixed costs. But, uh, yeah, we knew this industry was going to struggle. I mean, I think in our investment in JetBlue or if anyone buys an airline out there, you have to think, you know, can they make it through uh, with the finances that they have through another, you know, six to nine months of difficulty? And as we get into the late part of 2021 and 2022, you know, can if, if traffic continues to you know, pick up hopefully and gets back to some reasonable levels, you know, uh, what companies will look the best at that point? But uh, yeah, United Airlines definitely showed a, a really tough report, which we expected.
1: Paul well, Karr is talking with us, and we're also talking about stocks on Stock Talk and taking your calls at three three zero six seven three one two three four. You're on WNIr. Good morning.
3: Morning. I wondered, uh, you think it's time to get out of IBM? I, I've been waiting thirty years, and uh, it, I keep uh, it just never. Uh, I keep saying, well, the next quarter, the next quarter, they pay a big dividend, but. I understand they borrow that borrow to pay the dividend. So, you think it's time to pull the plug and go? Yeah, do you follow. Do you follow IBM?
2: I do. I, I followed it for many many years, just like you. Um, hey, before I answer that question, I know you're kind of a repeat caller for us. What's your first name? Ken. All right, Ken. Okay. Yeah, um, Ken. Hey, great question on IBM. I think IBM uh, is one that again their management is basically saying that a lot of these. Uh, weaknesses that they have right now or, or more subject to the point of p- the time that they're in and the fact that uh the disruption again from the pandemic. But uh you know when you look at IBM again they they've like you said, they have not really performed well um even before the pandemic hit. Uh they were struggling back in two thousand and you know, nineteen uh, you know, we, we see many, many quarters of, of weakness uh, and not the growth that you would expect. It seems like they really haven't been able to pivot their business. Um, like other technology companies, you know, can pivot very quickly. They have not been able to do that. So um, IBM is always one that, you know, I keep peeking at because it used to be a, you know, heck of a place to have some money invested. They still pay a pretty big dividend. Um, which I still think attracts people. But, again, that dividend might also be taking away a little bit of their competitiveness as far as their revenue and uh, as far as their earnings potential. So, uh, you know, it's a stock that we moved past a long time ago, and even though I continue to look at it, I've, I've not bought it back. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you.
1: All right, yeah, thank you for thanks. calling. 330-673-1234 to talk to Walt Sukira of the AKW group talking about stocks and the stock market. Uh, another stock they reported last week was Intuitive Surgical. They make the Da Vinci robotic surgery systems and they reported rather poor earnings. The stock sold off nearly 7% on Friday after this report came out. Now, you don't own the stock in any of your portfolios, but what do you think of the company now, Intuitive Surgical?
2: Yeah, I've always liked Intuitive Surgical, Bob. This is one I've always wanted to buy, but um, it's kind of like the the Tesla story for me. It always seemed extremely expensive. Um, you know, the, when you look at this company, I mean, they do the the, the surgeries. These these Da Vinci uh, robotic systems are there's over five thousand five hundred of them. Uh, they operate in sixty seven countries. Uh, surgeons use these for you know cardiac. Uh, a uh, general surgeries, kind of that kind of head and neck surgeries, thoracic urology—they're—they're they're used in so many places. And um, every 26 seconds, the surgeon you know takes these, takes the controls of a Da Vinci uh, machine and actually does the surgery. Uh, again, you know the weakness here is presenting the stock—it um, it hasn't moved uh, as much as we thought it would in the past year, and a little bit more of a sell-off. This might be one that I would take a hard look at. Um, Again, incredible company, incredible. And and when you think about the fact that surgeries and uh, some of these things will be coming back online, a lot of them have been delayed um, because of the COVID-19 situation. Uh, There's a lot of pent-up demand, um, you know, and procedures that people need to get done. So uh, we see Intuitive Surgical as something that, you know, we're taking a look at.
1: Another company that you made a new purchase for your core equity portfolio that you already own in your Empowering Women portfolio is Adobe. Now uh, they uh, were as high as 536 a share in September. They trade now about 472 a share. Uh, why did you add uh, Adobe now uh, to the core equity portfolio? What is your investment thesis on that? Why did you buy more, and why did you buy it now?
2: Yeah, Bob. You know we've we've just like Adobe. It's so consistent. It's such a consistent performer. Um, you know, you look at the last four quarters. You know, uh, you got earnings. Uh, you know, continuing up in the 20s, 30 percent range quarter over quarter. Uh, revenue growth at a 14, 15 percent range quarter over quarter. Again, this is a very large company. It's not a high growth uh, stocklet the way it used to be. But if you think about Creative Cloud that they have, um, you know, uh, there's all kinds of entities out there like ad agencies, uh, graphic design shops. If you're a YouTube creator, a podcaster, a film studio, uh, you can't do without their Creative Cloud. The way that they bundle these these packages together. Uh, and give everybody really top-notch software that they need to uh, really all things digital, anything creative that you need to do. So uh, we like the stock. We like the consistency of the stock. I think this is the kind of stock that you know we're really trying to focus on, companies that have a built-in subscriber base. Uh, again, they've moved to the subscription model where their revenues are pretty, uh, the, pretty understandable and pretty repeatable. And I think as valuations continue to extend, you have to make sure you know what you own, you know why you own it. And we know why, what we own here with Adobe, and we know why we own it, and uh, we're, we're happy to have it uh, in two of our portfolios.
1: Now, the question of diversification, you own the same stock in uh, two different portfolios. Is that the diversification, or why, why would you do that?
2: Yeah, Bob. I mean, we don't tend to do it. Um, But again, when it's a a good story and it fits both portfolios and and we feel there's incredible value, I like the focus. I mean, I I like sometimes it just makes sense for us to put it into portfolios. We don't do it often. Uh, There's only a few stocks that overlap, but uh, Adobe was one that, you know, the more I thought about it and the more I considered it, 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 it deserved to be in that core equity portfolio. And Uh, We have a lot more clients invested in that core equity portfolio. So, again, we wanted to give the exposure to all those clients uh, as well as the clients that had it already in the Empowering Women portfolio.
1: Waltzakara with the AKW Group. Now, the AKW Group in Fairlawn and in Washington, Pennsylvania, is affiliated with the Robert W. Baird Company, which gives them access to all sorts of other services they can provide, including private wealth management, asset management, investment, banking. They can do estate plan reviews, tax reviews as tax season is underway. They can do IRA illustrations, Roth conversion analyses, Social Security analyses. All that's available once uh, more with the resources that the National International Robert W. Baird Organization. Offers to the AKW groups. It's not just a matter of, of investing stocks. It's also a matter of uh, working with their clients with financial planning, estate, trust, and retirement planning, and other advice that they can help you, you with. Or anything to do with your with your money or your investments, they can provide some services that can, uh, you know, ease your burden and to make sure you're on the right track and speaking of being on the on the right track what are some of the uh, rules of thumb guidelines uh, that could be a good starting point for investors we've heard many of these before from from other investment uh, uh, firms and uh, other other commentators but what about the one about uh, the number of stocks you should have is is 100 or 120 minus your age in the in the stock portfolios
2: yeah about that's a old rule of thumb that uh, has worked you know it's it basically says how much should i have in stocks and uh, the old rule was you take 100, uh, you subtract your age. So me at 55, I'd subtract 55, and that would tell me I should have uh, 45% of my portfolio in stocks. Uh, and then there was a lot of thought, you know, some people like John Bogle and Bill Bengen, who was a, a lead financial planner, big thinker. They did a lot of studies, and they came up with this idea that maybe it should be more like 120 or 128 minus your age um, to support uh, the fact that, again, long-term life expectancy has improved and uh, time horizons have extended for people. So uh, those rules of thumb makes make some sense, but everybody is unique. And now that bond yields are so low, um, you know, forcing money into fixed income when it may not be the most optimal time isn't necessarily the best idea either. So asset allocation is a really, really big decision. And uh, we spend a lot of time here talking about asset allocation and reviewing asset allocation with our clients. Um, it, it's the starting point. And without a good asset allocation, uh, that'll really dictate your ultimate long-term success with your plan, Bob. So uh, this is something that I think you really have to spend some time thinking about, and, and you have to review it every single year. You can't just let it change by itself. you got to you know, look at it and decide if, if that makes sense, if it's changed year to year, make the structural changes in the portfolio uh, so that it matches with the goals and objectives that you have in your life.
1: Another piece of uh, advice that's very common is that when you're retired, you should uh, withdraw no more than 4% of your assets in retirement to uh, keep your portfolios uh, going uh, throughout the rest of your retired life. Is that still a magic figure, 4%? yeah but
2: I mean again it's a good starting point and and I think this was done off of a study of a lot of people being near that 50% 50% allocation uh 50% stocks 50% bonds using old data again returns that came you know off of old data so it uh, might might need to be updated a little bit uh, but it's a good starting point if you think about it you know 4% would basically dictate that you're uh you know you're cutting your portfolio into 25 segments um which, you know, if you think about the, the you know, existence of you or your needs that you have or the planning that you have later in your life, that's probably not a bad place to start. But again, every individual is different. Um, some people need a little bit more than that based on how they retired. Some people need a little bit less. Uh, and you have to make sure you adjust those asset allocations about around those withdrawal requirements that you have. So, again, something we spend a lot of time uh, looking at. We have some pretty advanced software that we can, you know, run projections and, and give people an idea of, you know, what it means when you change those, those uh, you know, important components of a plan. Uh, so, you know, again, important to our clients and very, very important to us.
1: And what about uh, they saw match the duration of your assets and liabilities?
2: Yeah, but well, I mean, if you have a liability coming up, you know, paying off uh, um, some debt, a lot of people will structure an asset to make sure that that asset is available uh, when that debt or that obligation comes up. So again, looking your asset and liability of the equation and making sure you're doing some matching uh, with your planning. So again, another pretty good rule of thumb.
1: Again, Walt Sequeira, the AKW Group, they are taking their clients' money. They're investing it in individually-owned stock portfolios, They're working with each client on a one-to-one basis to make sure that that is right for that individual person, an individual family. You can call them any time to discuss this with them or, or to talk more about stocks or ask questions locally at 234-466-7476. That's in the Fairlawn, 234 234- for the AKW Group. For those living in the Pittsburgh area, Sue Marshall has the AKW office in Washington, Pennsylvania. And the number to call there, 412-480-5090, 412-480-5090. So quickly, Walt, for for next week, what do you think is going to happen?
2: A lot of earnings reports, Bob. We're going to see all kinds of companies, including companies like Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Progressive, PayPal, uh, so we'll pay attention to those results and also the big picture items that come in during the week.
1: It is a very, very interesting time to be invested and a very, very good time to give the AKW Group a call. Walt Sekira and his team locally, 234-466-7476. And in Washington, Pennsylvania, 412-480-5090. Tell him you heard him on WNIR, Kent Akron. Walt Secura, you take it easy. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Thanks, Bob.
3: During today's broadcast, the following individual stocks were mentioned and discussed. Advanced Micro Devices, Inc., symbol AMD. Adobe Systems, Inc., symbol ADBE. Alphabet, Inc., symbol G-O-O-G-L. Amazon.com, symbol AMZN. Apple, Inc., symbol AAPL. Facebook, Inc., symbol FB. International Business Machines, symbol IBM. Intel Corporation, symbol INTC. Intuitive Surgical, Inc., symbol ISRG. JetBlue Airways, symbol JBLU. Johnson & Johnson, symbol JNJ. Microsoft Corporation, symbol MSFT. Netflix, Inc., symbol NFLX. PayPal Holdings, Inc., symbol PLPL. The Progressive Corp., symbol PGR. Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing, symbol TSM. United Continental Holdings, symbol UAL. Please note that Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated makes a market in all of the securities of these companies discussed during today's broadcast.